0: The Start on demand. on demand. Hello there, it's Brett. It's the Monday edition of the podcast for the start with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And today we're going to talk about how on Saturday Night Live, Matt Damon portrayed a rather bratty version of Brett Kavanaugh. And while it was funny, we were wondering if It's too early to laugh about that whole situation yet. And that led us to the conversation that we had on the show. What should you or shouldn't you discuss around the dinner table? Sometimes some topics are too uncomfortable to discuss. It's been one year. Since the mass shooting in Las Vegas, Global's Brittany Greenslade is in Las Vegas to mark the anniversary. And she's been spending some time with a Manitoban who was there, who survived that terrible ordeal. We'll speak to a groom who just got wedding over the weekend, who just so happened to be taking some pictures when Paul McCartney rode past on a bike, and then came back to say hi and wish congratulations. And we'll also speak to the wedding photographer who caught the moment on film. It's also time for our monthly Psychology and the City visit with Raymond. It's also time for our monthly Psychology and the City visit with Dr. Raymond Rahman. He wants to talk about mental health issues as they pertain to our civic leaders. With the election coming up in just a few weeks, he is challenging our civic leaders to make it part of their mandate. And finally, we're going to meet a group called Way Back Winnipeg that has released a throwback hat to a small piece of Winnipeg history you might not be familiar with, but it's a really cool part of our history. The Winnipeg Whips. McGary McNabb, Kelly Moore is here, Jeff Braun is here, and Greg, Saturday Night Live season opener. Yes,
1: as seen on global television, I fortunately recorded it, but as I was living on the Twitter machine on Saturday night at the event we were at, uh, people were very quickly tweeting out about the surpo- surprise appearance by Matt Damon. Here he
0: is as Brett Kavanaugh.
2: What? Judge, <laughs> Judge Kavanaugh, are you ready to begin? Oh, hell yeah. Let me tell you this. I'm gonna start at an 11. I'm gonna take it to about a 15 real quick. First of all, I showed this speech to almost no one. Not my family, not my friends, not even PJ or Tobin or Squee. This is my speech. There are others like it, but this is mine. (laughs) I wrote it myself last night while screaming into an empty bag of Doritos. (laughs) I'm here tonight because of a sham, a political con job orchestrated by the Clintons and George Soros and Kathy Griffin and Mr. Ronan Sinatra. Now, I am usually an optimist. I'm a keg-is-half-full kind of guy. But what I've seen from the monsters on this committee makes me want to puke and not from beer. Dr. Ford has no evidence, none. Meanwhile, I've got these. I've got these calendars. He's beautiful, (laughs) creepy (laughs) cow.
1: So uh, I was talking about that this morning, and Lorraine, you said... I'm not sure if I'm ready for that, yeah, just quite I, yet. I saw
3: it making the rounds, on, and I just wasn't sure if I wanted to even click on it. Same thing, it was coming up on Twitter, and I thought, I don't know if I'm ready, like I laugh, I'm laughing now, I just laughed while you played that, but I didn't want to laugh because I was like, this is a pretty serious, this is an extremely serious story, and and people's lives and characters and future careers are on the line, and I get it, that's what is about, and they're supposed to mock things, and we're supposed to get some laughter from that, and I, again, I laughed, but oh, I, like, I'm uncomfortable laughing.
4: Yeah, you know, that range of emotion was just going through my mind. I I did not see the show on Saturday night. Uh, And and so I was thinking the same thing. I don't want to find this humorous because of what is really playing out. But, man, oh, man, I'll tell you, when you give those writers at SNL. Just a little sliver of daylight. Holy crows, can they make it happen.
1: Wow. Well, and and it got us to wondering and thinking about, if you're not prepared to talk about it, we've got Thanksgiving coming up this weekend. And I know it came up at the dinner table yesterday where we were having supper at mom and dad's. And let me tell you, my mother-in-law, who usually doesn't like to talk about controversial stuff at the dinner table, caught herself halfway through. Because we ended up having a conversation about this and she said, you know what? We can't talk about this at the dinner table.
3: Well, I'm prepared to talk about it. I just wasn't sure about laughing about it yet. No. I felt like really, uh, but I think we should be talking about it. I don't know around Turkey or not.
2: Yeah. Well, I wouldn't talk about it at the dinner table. We always got little kids at our dinner table, so we tend not to talk about grown up stuff
1: to you begin don't, with. You don't have a kiddie table? Oh, it's right beside the other table.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It's not like I send them three houses down or something. (laughs) Which table do you sit at, by the way? Wherever the food
5: is. I'll sit anywhere. (laughs) I don't care.
0: So, when you're in a situation, then when someone says, no, you know, we can't talk about this, what if you want to talk about it? What if you say, can you do you then pull rank or not necessarily pull rank or do you just push? Because I I, I feel like I'd be the, I, I generally don't get into that kind of stuff. But if someone says, I don't want to talk about this, the mischievous mm-hmm. part of me would say, well, now I definitely want to talk about this. <laughs> You're not invited it. to Thanksgiving, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> You're a I was troublemaker. Telling
3: these guys before the show that I have a little brother who like, I feel like likes to take a grenade and toss it in the room at Christmas time and just oh, pick the boy. most like controversial thing just to see where it will take us. Mm. And, we, and usually, I mean... It, it's a great debate. And if you're ready to have a great debate and not be offended by someone else's opinion, you usually come out the other side having learned a lot and laugh. There's been tears, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. too. But it's it's like important things to talk about. The problem that comes at a dinner table, how well you know everybody there. Yeah. Are you just learning are you just meeting some people? You know, we we brought it up this weekend at this party we were at and I could tell there was all these varying opinions and we were all trying to be so careful to not like offend the other person with how we felt right when you're standing
1: around the island with a drink in your hand you can remove yourself quite easily from that discussion if you're uncomfortable with it or where it's going you're capped everyone's kind of captive at the dinner table and if you get up from the dinner table based on the fact you're uncomfortable or or angry with the way the conversation is going it's very evident you are on stage it's
4: tough to remove yourself Well, it is, but by the same token, you can also say, you know what? The way this is going, if I participate, we're not going to have a great dinner. So I'm just going to take a quick time out and be back when you're finished. You know, that's, I mean, what else can you do if you think that it is going to digress into something that Mr. McGarry well, will have all kinds why, of... <laughs> that's why a lot
1: of people have that rule, right? You don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion, you don't talk <laughs> the about two sex. two big ones, yeah. And in my house, you don't talk about the Winnipeg Jets at the dinner table because inevitably there will be an argument of some sort. Really? Oh, oh God, like, yeah. Like, at the dinner table? Oh, yes. With the... If my brothers are there? Oh,
4: absolutely. Why? What oh, do you talk about then?
1: Yeah, well, um, the weather, oh. you know, the kids, all oh, the stuff the kids are up to. Oh, uh, yes. One of my brothers and I uh, have very divergent uh, opinions on the Winnipeg Jets. Paul Maurice, in particular. Mm-hmm. So
3: I'd be happy to have no Jets conversation at the table. Not that I don't like talking about them, but sometimes it's like twenty five minutes later, and it's like we cannot possibly still have something to say about <laughs> oh, this. Oh yes, like, possibly The season could. hasn't even started. <laughs> I don't even. I'm done. Jeff, if there was, if the kids were not at the table, would it be okay? To what? Talk about, say, the Kavanaugh hearings
2: or... The- I, honest, I I see my family maybe twice a year on a good year, so we tend to just talk about pleasant things and mm. be glad
1: that we are actually have each other's company for the four or five days a year oh we do. Oh, my gosh. That's if- the most conciliatory thing I've ever heard you say, Jeff, what, the- well, what do you want me to say? <laughs>
2: <laughs> what if the kids I don't understand up- you people. You, you just like... Going in hot, just aggression, just that's your Thanksgiving. Is like, what are we going to fight about this year? Yeah.
3: Not fight. It's like a good it's Thanksgiving,
2: not hell's.
0: Yeah, Come and I'm on. I'm
3: thankful for free speech and blah blah blah. The things we can <laughs> talk about. I don't. It's not it's not fighting. It's like a, just a good debate. Sometimes it feels good, and sometimes you realize you don't really know what you're talking about, or you learn something. That you weren't aware about before, or you change your mind completely,
1: or you get it's a good opportunity to realize which uh, relatives you really don't like, <laughs> and reaffirm some of your feelings going in about them. <laughs> oh yeah, there's
0: something I, I knew there's something I didn't like about them. What if the kids are the ones who ask about the, the the controversial topic?
1: Well, we've had a couple conversations. One in particular, I guess it was Thursday evening, and just about what's going on and. Uh, conversation I had with my kids. And I found out over the weekend, I'm not the only one having it in the last few days, those difficult conversations with their kids about no means no. And what, what constitutes uh, unwanted touching Uh, one of our friends, their kid was at his first dance this weekend and uh, at a party afterwards. And it was like, we had a real long conversation about what was appropriate and inappropriate, because I don't know about you guys, Never had those discussions with my parents, my mom or my dad.
4: Yeah, well, back in <laughs> the prehistoric times before yes. Bronner gives it to me, uh, yeah, there there just wasn't the same kind of uh, free-flowing speech that there is now. And, and even when I take a look at the conversations we had with our daughters and when I hear— our oldest daughter speaking to her two girls right now who are eight and five years old, the the level of conversation is quite a bit more than, than what we have. But I look at that as a positive, I I especially the way my daughter is able to communicate with her kids. Uh, I I marvel at that and wish that we had been able to have those kind of abilities.
0: If you want to see the full video of Matt Damon as Brett Kavanaugh, you can go to the 680CJOB Instagram and I've linked the Global News video, Global TV video, to there. Also, just as an aside, did you see this Kanye West pro-Trump business that he did that was ended up being cut for time? Um, air could, quotes, Brett yeah. doing
1: the air quotes
0: there. Yeah, sure, because- we'll
3: give you the mic, Kanye. And then the red light went off, <laughs> and he's just screaming at the crowd, and he's oh. like, is this thing on?
0: Chris Rock posted, he recorded some of it and put it on his Instagram story, and at one moment you could hear Chris Rock say, oh, my God. Yeah, well, and the
1: crazy thing
0: is that SNL, they have a super strict policy with regards to your
1: phone. Like, if you even take your phone out of your pocket or your purse, you get turfed. Yeah. But I imagine because it was after they'd finished filming and because it was Chris Rock, maybe he was able to get away with that. But uh, that's probably also why it was kind of at that strange angle where his phone was probably at his chest. Yeah. And he was probably just kind of holding it very, <laughs> <laughs> very discreetly, right?
0: Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb. And, Loren, it's hard to believe a year has passed since the Las Vegas shooting massacre.
3: Yeah, really hard to imagine that all that time has come and gone. The night, of course, when hundreds of bullets... Were fired by one man from a hotel and into the crowd below. in it were two Manitobans, one who returned to Las Vegas this weekend. Jody Ansel going back to the strip to try and come to terms with what happened that night and to meet with the people who helped her to safety. Global's Brittany Greenslade was with Jody for that incredible reunion and so much more and joins us from Las Vegas now. Good morning, Brittany. Good morning, everyone. How are you? We're good. I can hear some music in the background. I know there's a sunrise ceremony taking part uh, in a few moments or perhaps as we speak.
6: Uh, it will get going in just over 40 minutes. It will start here at 6 30. It is currently 10 to 6 local time here. Bagpipes uh, already practicing, and we've had a large convoy of police officers here. Uh, that, that ceremony getting underway at 6:30, but we will also have a few moments of silence during that as well obviously not what we're hearing right now but it is already very busy down here this morning talk to
3: us about jody and her return to las vegas this weekend you know some people might say i would never go back to that i wouldn't want to be there again what made her want to be there this weekend and to meet with those people
6: for Jody, it was all about taking back this day, taking back this city. It was a city that she'd been to so many times before. It was a, a concert, that Route 91 Harvest Festival that she'd been to many, many times before. She wanted to come back here to be able to thank those people. She has a bond with these two women who helped save her when she got shot she fled the scene like so many thousands of other people there and ran towards the street and she was bleeding from her arm and nobody was stopping to help her until finally these two women stopped Jolene and Karen and pulled her into the car Jolene actually made a tourniquet took her shirt off and wrapped it around Jody's arm to help stop the bleeding and as you can imagine it's it's something that a situation that all of them are now bonded in forever. Um, It's been a long journey for Jody back to this and and one that she said she needed to be here on this weekend and needed to go back to that scene.
3: We're gonna play a little bit of that sound, Brittany, from the women who helped Jody to safety. You can just hear the emotion in their voice here. That is now.
6: Talk to me about what you want from this reunion, this anniversary, this weekend here.
7: I just want it to help in my healing. And I believe if you face all your fears it will help and as hard it is to be back and to be going to you know, see other people that have been through the same thing and listen to the country music today at the one year reunion it's going to bring back a lot more memories of that night but it'll be, uh, be a good process for the healing.
6: You can see how emotional it, it is still do you think that will ever stop that will ever be done with? I don't think so,
7: no. People say, you know, it's time to get over it. I'll never get over it, but I'll get on with it.
6: What do you want people to know? That I've got this. And uh, I want them all
7: to know that just their support and their love over the last year has really helped.
1: Jodie Ansel in conversation with her own. Brittany Greenslade, who joins us from Las Vegas right now. And Brittany, so many people think of Las Vegas as this massive gathering place where people just kind of come from all over the world, really, to celebrate, whether it's their bachelor party or go to these large events, and now it's for hockey, and soon it'll be football. But Las Vegas is a community. It's one of the one of the fastest-growing cities in the United States, and, and there are people that live there, and this impacted the citizens greatly. Coming back to Las Vegas, what, what are you learning about how that community is? healing from this?
6: Well, Greg, we heard a lot in the days and and months after of of Vegas Strong. People wanting to reclaim this city, reclaim uh, what was taken from them that day. They are making today, and this next few months this next time is all about vegas stronger that is the hashtag they're using here today this sunrise ceremony uh, is going to get underway in just over half an hour and they are expecting thousands of people here many survivors that are going to be coming back here uh, and there's been stories like jody's that we've heard all weekend and stories that we heard all year of those survivors coming back and wanting to be reunited we're going to have some of the officers that were there that night that were here we spoke with an officer who helped save Jody's life we spoke to him yesterday and he said in his 24 years in service here he's never been a part of anything like this it took him less than 90 seconds to get to the scene that night and help everybody it was two and a half hours before he was able to get Jody to a hospital and these are the stories and the connections and the community that has come together really around all of this to help continue to help each other heal. As a family.
3: It's incredible because you think of the people that were shot or wounded or injured, and then there's all those extra layers of thousands, right, Brittany, that the, the people who, you know, the, the couple that first picked Jodi up on the straight street, I was listening to your interview with them this morning, and how the, she could never forget Jodi's eyes, the, the, what was in her eyes that night.
6: That was something we continued to hear. She was tearing up very emotional and she, that was Jolene Bennett and she was the one that pulled Jody in on her lap and, and made that tourniquet and through tears she just kept saying it's all I needed. All I needed was to know that she was okay because they got separated at the end of the night.
0: Now Brittany Greenslade, uh, just curious to know, uh, have the hotels increased security at all because like, there been have any changes been made as a result of what happened last year?
6: We know there were a number of changes. Sorry, you can hear the bagpipes behind us practicing, getting ready for that sunrise ceremony. But we spoke to the officer here who said, you know, they're trained for this. They are ready for events. They hope they never have to handle ones like this. We have seen uh, increased overtime security in some areas. That officer that we spoke to is one of those officers that has been working overtime at some of these places here. But their message is this isn't going to break us. We are stronger than ever, and this is not going to happen again. And, and that's something that everybody here wants people to know and people to take with them.
0: All right, Global's Brittany Greenslate joining us live from Las Vegas this morning. Brittany, thank you very much for this. Thank you. And Brittany's posted a couple of stories today at globalnews.ca slash winnipeg and cjob.com. Uh, the one that's front and center, the headline is Manitoba Survivor of Las Vegas Shooting reunites with rescuers one year later. And there's a second story uh, that she also posted. One year later, Manitoba survivor of Las Vegas shooting finally sees Jason Aldean, who was the country singer, was on stage performing at the Route 91 Country Harvest Music Festival when shots started to ring out.
1: And Jason Aldean will be coming to Dauphin Country Fest in 2019. So, uh, the, you know, I love when stories... Kind of come all the way around like this. Uh, very powerful images that Brittany is bringing us uh, this morning with her words. And is there anything like a pipe band to to get the emotions flowing? Oh, any every time, time of the you day? hear
3: one, and you know you always feel like it's uh, it can be such a loud sound, but it's so comforting. I think in a time like this, and it'll be a pretty emotional scene down there.
1: Everything I was seeing on social media over the weekend indicated I really missed out in not being at this concert on Friday night. Uh, the third time Paul McCartney has played Winnipeg, and by all accounts, it was an extraordinary concert. In fact, our own Tristan Field-Jones, who knows a thing or two about music, says it's the best show he's ever seen.
0: Yeah, that's not a, a light comment from Tristan. He sees many concerts, and uh, the pictures he sh- he took. were spectacular. And uh, if you were at the concert, let us know what you thought. 204-780-6868. Shoot us a text.
3: A lot of people took pictures at the concert, but did they get to take a photo with Sir Paul McCartney? I'm
1: guessing not a lot. <laughs> uh, most of the pictures were from afar, or video from afar, right? I, I
3: saw some people also trying to wait for him in the, I think it was the Fairmont, in the lobby of the Fairmont. If you didn't get to go to the concert, you want to kind of see if you can see the star in town and all the rest. And then the opposite happened to our next guest. Uh, on the phone with us now, we have Steve Steven, who was getting married on Saturday? Is that correct, Stephen? Uh, yep. So his wedding was on right. Saturday. And then on the other end, we had uh, taking wedding photos was Lori Dixon with Maddox Photography. Good morning, Lori. Good morning. Okay, so Stephen. Hey, Lori. <laughs> 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 well, it's nice to chat with each other. Uh, Stephen, let's just talk to me about it. You guys are down at the waterfront, you're getting photos with your bride, and what happened?
8: Uh, we were finishing uh, getting our photos taken sort of on the water water taxi dock and uh, we were walking back up the the little gangway up there and uh, this guy drives by on a bike and says congratulations and we sort of do a double take and it's that was Paul McCartney. So we realized he's at a dead end and uh, he's got to come back our way. So uh, Jennifer and I went over uh, and we walked up to him and uh, he was very gracious, and we asked him if he would be in a photo, and he said certainly. And that was about it. He congratulated us, shook our hands, and and then was on his way.
1: Stephen, can you give me a little bit more on the geography here? I'm trying to place this specifically. Where, which, uh, which dock are you talking about for the water taxi? Just so we can all kind of put ourselves there.
8: Um. It's sort of like a little concrete one that's close to Bannatine, uh, just off of Waterfront. Oh,
1: okay, so like a Stephen Juba Park area there along yeah. Waterfront Drive. Okay, got it. So, Lori, what are you seeing through your lens and through your digital screen as you're taking these pictures? Did, did Was it sort of like a shadowy figure emerges? And <laughs> lo and behold, it's Paul McCartney, how did it go down from your point of view?
7: Well, the first thing you kind of see is his bodyguards, to be honest with you. So we we're like, oh... We were walking up, and when, I think one of the groomsmen wanted to take a photo on his phone, and they're like, nope, just the photographers. And I'm like, oh, okay. Then I'm like, oh, wait, that's me. That's me. I get to do this. So I was like, okay. So we walked up with my camera. It was so fast. And I'm like, oh, my God, please make my exposures be okay. So it was crazy. And then you kind of don't, it doesn't really hit you, Ace, even until so you walk away, and then you're like, wow, that was, that was Paul McCartney. Like
0: Yeah, that happens. <laughs>
7: yeah, you're like, what, what? I'm like, well, I probably don't need to give you any other wedding photo, just that one.
0: So did, uh, Laurie, when you, had you already taken any pictures, uh, at, like, did you take any pictures after you realized it was Paul McCartney, but before he actually said, uh, yeah, it's okay to take a picture?
7: No, we were sort of, like, we were done. We were wrapping up that location. We were about to head to their venue, and we were um, just walking back when he biked by. I didn't even notice him, and it was so funny because they were, when we were getting ready in the hotel. They were at the Fairmont, where we assume uh, Paul was stay. me, Sir Paul was staying. And we were talking about him, like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we ran into him in the elevator? Ha ha ha! He's probably gone now. And we were checking out the window to see if, like, you know, any cops had shown up to squirt him. So it was really kind of just this real. We got to see him anyway, I guess. But um, it was just so fast. I think that you know, you didn't want to hold him up. He's just trying, out trying to have a bike ride, you know, and. Um, told him to enjoy Winnipeg he said he was enjoying it and yeah it was really
3: fast well that was the best part you the (laughs) photos on globalnews.ca and cgob.com he really is just riding along on his bike and so I kind of wondered Stephen like did you know right away that that was Paul McCartney or did you did you have to pause for a second because I'm not so sure if if he approached on a bike that that would be my that I would think right away that that's Paul McCartney
8: yeah, it was uh, it was a little bit bizarre, but it, I really feel it was like sort of a double take. And uh, one of my groomsmen leaned over to me and was like, dude, that was Paul McCartney. And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: so, uh, Steven, did the uh, playlist at the reception change at all based on your interaction Saturday afternoon? Uh, no, we didn't have any Beatles like we requested.
0: You requested no Beatles? <laughs> That's a question. Did you actually request no Beatles? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Oh, uh, it was just a long
8: running joke between my, my now wife and I. So uh, it, uh, <laughs> there was no Eagles and no Beatles. Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> well, I salute yeah. you on the no Eagles. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm, not, <laughs> Thank you. I'm not a fan of the Eagles, Agreed. but, but yes. given what, the, the interaction that you had, I'm a little surprised you stuck to the Beatles.
8: Hey, you know what? This whole thing has been a lot of immediate attention for something that wasn't even the best part of my day. <laughs> Aww. Well,
0: let's, you know
3: what? Let's talk quickly, if you can, Stephen. Just tell us about Jennifer and where you guys met and uh, how many years were you together before you got married?
8: Uh, we've been together for uh, just over 12 years. Uh, we met each other at uh, the Times Changed High and Lonesome Club. And uh, I was playing and she was there knitting. And it's been ever since. I ended up actually the first night, or it was actually the second night we met, uh, I ended up chasing her car down uh, Fort uh, St. Mary's. So she was about to drive away, and, I, and uh, the light at Fort Street turned red. And actually, the same groomsman
1: that told me that confirmed Paul McCartney said, Dude, you can make it. And I ran her car down. Wow, poor, poor traffic engineering by the city of Winnipeg <laughs> saved your relationship and created one. Stephen, amazing yeah. story! Thanks for sharing it with us. Thanks to to both of you and uh, Lori. Uh, this is something you'll you'll never forget either. We appreciate your time and sharing uh, this uh, this incredible adventure.
7: No problem.
0: And Lori, before we let you go, uh, mm-hmm. you posted some of those pictures to social media. Where can we follow uh, your business on Instagram and Facebook?
7: Oh, just Maddox Photography, and Instagram is just Maddox underscore photography.
0: And that's spelled M-A-D-I-X.
7: You bet, yeah. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you, Lori, and thank you, Stephen, and congratulations to you, Stephen, uh, and good for you for pointing out that that wasn't the best part of your day. You're, you're off to a good start. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. right now you're hearing the theme for sex and the city and that's because it's sort of our de facto theme song for psychology in the city when our friend Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman pays us a visit and related to this you could tie in the question of the day at cjob.com which is brought to you by Credit Aid helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992 visit creditaid.ca call 204-987-6890 and the question is do you plan to take advantage of the advanced polling for the civic election. Your options are, so far, 46% saying, no, I will wait for election day, October 24th. 38% say, yep, yeah, I like to vote early. And 15% say, nah, I'm not going to vote this time. And I suspect, uh, Dr. Abdul Abdurrahman with Clinic Psychology, um, the issue that you've sort of brought to the table here might help you... Decide whether or not you 're going to vote for certain and it has to do with mental wellness issues first of all, good morning to you, sir Good morning to you too Thank you for having me Good to see you again yeah. so you're challenging civic leaders on the topic of mental health issues what why is that
5: well I actually think there's going to be i think there needs to be two issues that need to be on the platform uh, for all the mayoral candidates and they need to be number one mental health and number two uh, diversity and inclusion. Uh, and the reason I think those are the th- those are important is because they have to do with people. Um, anytime we have a leader, we have to think about the people that they're leading. Anything tied to our city is going to be tied to human resources and the people that live here. If we don't pay attention to the way that people think, the way they feel, and the way they engage with each other, then we're going to be at a lost cause.
3: When it comes to the diversity part of the picture, yeah. you can look at the mayoral candidates, and it is a relatively diverse... Um, group there among yep. the eight, but at the same time, only one female candidate. And there's, you know, when you want to tackle those issues, you, you, you start to wonder how we sh- how we should elect our mayor based on their own diversity or at least their feelings about that. So when you mentioned yep. that specifically, what are you looking to hear?
5: Well, I, I, I think there's two things in both with both issues regards to mental health and with diversity and inclusion, I think we need... And the mayoral candidates may not know what to do. And I don't think we need to expect them to know what to do, but they do need to have a, a plan on how to address those issues. And I think one of the ways to do that is to have committees or councils actually tackle those issues. Um, I think those two topics need to be built into everything that we do in the city. Um, you know, I don't think we need to... Re- I don't mean to move away from the diversity piece. I want to talk about the mental health piece, and then I'll come to the diversity piece. But... Um, Let's say, for example, with mental health. I, I don't think we need to relegate that off to a health issue. I think instead of putting out um, fires like issues with crime and meth that are key topics, that are, those are all tied to mental health. Uh, what we need to think about is prevention. So how do we make sure that we actually start to prevent some of these problems instead of kind of just putting out the fires when they do occur? Um, with regards to diversity and inclusion, you know, several years ago, we were voted as the most racist city in Canada – Um, I think it's really important that we start to think forward and how to prevent those things. And sometimes the things that prevent, uh, I think inclusion is a lack of information. So we live in a very diverse city, but we don't always have the information about the neighbors that we (laughs) live with. And so that can often cause barriers between people. And so we need to start to think about How can we start to improve the information about different kinds of citizens in Winnipeg so that we have a greater understanding? And both those issues with diversity and inclusion and with mental health can be integrated into almost every single aspect of civic politics, uh, and and rules and laws and everything like that. Uh,
1: so you know, you you mentioned uh, the perception of Winnipeg as being a racist city, or the most racist, according to McLean's magazine. Is that a headline you think that sticks for for those of us in the city? And when we talk about inclusion, I, I know it's sort of a. a, a Catchphrase or or a word that some people may not really
5: understand yeah. the definition of. So maybe you could address the both those things. The the definition of Inclusion. Inclusion. So diversity is a numbers game. It's about the number of people we have as diversity. I mean, we've always had diversity for as long as humanity has been around. There's various types of people, various types of ethnicities and cultures. We have gender variation, sexual orientation variation. So we have we have diversity that exists. Um what we don't often have is a better understanding of how those people can feel included in society. We tend to have a general standard, you know, um, of what we think is typical. So most of the times, I'll, one one of the big jokes that I tend to get is the question is, where are you from? You know, well, I'm from Winnipeg, South <laughs> Winnipeg. Um, but because I'm a person of color, the automatic perception is that I'm not local, even though I am. And what that suggests is that And those people aren't meaning unwell. They're just trying to get to know me. But what it does speak to is a bias to see people who may not be white as people as not being local. Um, So, and that's just a lack of understanding. Now, if the city were to, let's say, for example, uh, include, and you guys have heard me harp about this before, um, celebrate everything. Let's say, for example, we celebrated every single holiday that was important to Winnipegers. You know, regardless of their ethnicity and their culture, that was celebrated in a very big way in the same level as Christmas was celebrated. What if we had days off? And there's research to show that more days off actually increased productivity and God knows we need more days off. So if we did that, let's say that's one thing that mayoral candidates say we're going to now celebrate every major holiday for most ethnic and cultural groups. That is one way to give off really good information about different kinds of people. In the city, that's that's one thing they could do. So inclusion is about getting people to feel included, so they're more effective in society. Research shows that people who don't feel included have less productivity, have less uh, learning outcomes. Uh, children do. So when we when we work on inclusion, we actually ramp up the productivity of this entire city. Research shows that when we cities or countries that are more inclusive actually are more economically viable. So this is a thing that we need to pay attention to. Uh, Research on productivity in teams shows that um, productivity in inclusive teams is 10 times higher than those teams that are not inclusive. So it makes sense that we pay attention to this topic. Our guest is Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman.
0: He is with Clinic Psychology Manitoba. The website is clinicpsychology.com. And Raymond, one example that you pointed to that you'd like to see maybe our civic leaders take on comes from Calgary. What
5: happened there back in July? So then she uh, proposed that they use their rainy day fund to address mental health issues. Um, And I think when he talked about mental health issues, he was also talking about issues related to crime and drug use. Um, uh, The former uh, police chief, Devon Clunis actually had called in the Manitoba Psychological Society for a meeting at one point in time. And I had sat president in that meeting, where he was looking for advice on how to include psychology and pay attention to mental health when addressing crime, because he was able to see that there was a correlation between those two. Um, So I think putting money in towards those things um, is putting money into Winnipegers.
3: I think the uh, issue, or maybe one of the thoughts in voters' heads, is they they compartmentalize what each governing body. So the city is allowed to tackle these issues and the province is responsible for this and the federal government. And so often, I think when we say mental health, it's like, well, that's somebody else's problem. We can't do anything about that because it falls under that health umbrella or we need money from Ottawa to make that happen. And therefore the question would be, well, what kinds of programs could a city actually put in place with the budget that it has? It would be that preventative strategy.
5: Absolutely. That's a really good question. So I think when we think about mental health from this larger civic perspective, we need to think about it in terms of public health. And when we talk about public health, like let's say, for example, we want to prevent waterborne diseases. You know, we don't go in and treat those illnesses, we actually make sure people have clean running water. Now that might seem like a simple and boring kind of thing, but that's a prevention strategy that helps prevent you know health problems for society down the road. When we think about mental health, we need to think about it that way as well too. And what tends to happen is we don't we we don't have that focus in mind when we think about civic politics or civic issues. Let's take for example public spaces. You know um, you know the issue now is Portage and Maine. Uh, That's a great topic to be considering, but we also need to be considering what public spaces do we have where communities can come together, where they can meet one one another, and that reduces conflict, addresses issues of diversity and inclusion. We also know that research strongly supports that strong social relationships prevent mental health difficulties. So what can we do in terms of public spaces that encourage people to meet up, especially in a winter city, you know, where we might be inside most of the time are the places where the public can get together to be together even in the wintertime so that we're promoting this sense of cohesiveness and social support. So when we talk about mental health, it's not about making sure that we have money for therapy for everybody, but we need to start to be integrating these concepts of psychology that we know that is research proven and an evidence-based that improve the functioning of every single citizen in Winnipeg, not just those who have problems uh, with drug abuse or with mental illness. This is for everybody.
3: Well, having lived in other countries before, I know how lonely I felt Throughout the time, right, you're new there, you don't know anybody, and you've come to this community, and you want to be part of it, and you can't even figure out where to go sometimes. And I would end up at the coffee shop hoping somebody like in Jerusalem would just chat with me for 30 seconds just so that I could talk to someone other than my coworkers or what have you, right? And so I knew there was an end in sight on that because I was only there for a certain period of time. But when you've moved to a new country, you've come from another city and you land in Winnipeg, uh, that it has to be incredibly isolating, let alone putting in the winter element to it and not getting outside.
1: Well, and think about how we're encouraged to travel these days. It's the whole idea of living like a local and to immerse yourself in the communities that you're in. And uh, when you're talking about this, I think about what happens in the springtime when you see your neighbours... For the first time in yeah. five months, right? Because, yeah. you know, we're we're so concerned with getting home from work and getting inside, and we don't spend a ton of time outside. And really, the people that are living closest to you physically, we don't see them for weeks and weeks at a time if we're not cognizant and not um, doing things mindfully. Yes to interact with the people that live across the street or next door to you in the wintertime.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. So our, our team had come up with this campaign. I mean, this is where a lot of this stuff is coming from. So our team at Clinic Psychology has a public mental health initiative uh, called, and a part of that is a uh, civic pride campaign called Win Love. So W-I-N-N-L-O-V-E dot if you want to visit it, I encourage you to be there. Um, but what I want to do is I want to make sure that people are asking these questions of the people running for mayor. Um, You know, it's one thing for us to be talking about it here. Um, Anybody listening should be asking these questions when they go to these mayoral forums, like, what are you going to do about these topics? Because I can guarantee you this, if you want one word from an expert, is that if we do not pay attention to these topics, we are not going to succeed as a city. If we want to grow, if we want to thrive, if we want to prosper economically, socially, emotionally, psychologically, we need to pay attention to these issues at all levels of government, including the civic government.
0: Maclean McGarry McNabb on 680 CJOB. I'm wearing right now my Winnipeg Thunder hat that I got, I guess it was last year, from a place called Oak and Ore, which is now uh, defunct, had to shut down due to trademark issues, and they're looking to rebrand, and we'll be uh, doing that, well, they've launched, uh, soon they'll be launching more products, but they also made, commissioned uh, some special Blue Bomber hats, Greg, and... Uh, The old, like the royal blue Bud Grant, the Bud era
1: W, and uh, my boys were bugging me the other day. How come I never wear that hat? Because it's kind of in the museum at home right now. So, and that's probably where it will stay on display. And uh, we love celebrating this. This retro part of our history, right? It's that continuing theme, Loren, of celebrating Manitoba, celebrating Winnipeg. And I don't know if you would have seen this 20 years ago, resurrecting what these gentlemen have resurrected and having people celebrate it well, the way we're celebrating it. Not just it.
3: honoring your past. I think it's also just giving you, a, it's teaching people things about what they didn't know, right? So every time it comes back out or you see a new version of a hat or a jersey or whatever, you're, you're like, oh, wait, what? That That was a thing, or I didn't even know that team existed, or or what have you.
0: And what these two gentlemen uh, have done here is they've actually brought together brought forth what some of our listeners were suggesting. We were getting text messages from people saying, oh, you should bring do something with this team and do something with that team. And one of those teams was the Winnipeg Whips. So when I stumbled upon Wayback Winnipeg, I was actually invited to like their Facebook page, and I looked at that and their Instagram. I saw that they have launched, just like last week, a new hat for the Winnipeg Whips. So in studio, we have two of the three guys from Wayback Winnipeg, Mike Aporius, And Chad Scarsbrook, Mike and Chad, good morning and welcome. Thanks for joining us. Good morning.
9: Hello. Hello. We're excited to be here.
10: (laughs) So, Mike, you're wearing the Winnipeg Whips hat. I don't take it off. No? No. I I haven't taken it off since Wednesday. Really? Really? Yeah. That's challenging because
3: it's a cream-colored hat, so you, you know, you got to keep that clean. eh? It still looks good. It's it's
0: clean. Yeah. Yeah. Fits nice. Comfortable. So who are the Winnipeg Whips? For those who don't know, Chad, who are the Winnipeg Whips?
9: Well, the Winnipeg Whips were a team that played here in 1970, 1971. Actually, half of 1970, they moved here from Buffalo, the Buffalo uh, Bisons. They had attendance issues. They had stadium issues. They needed somewhere else to play. So they were the parent club of the Montreal Expos, and the Expos brought them here midway through 1970. And then as fast as they were here, they were gone. But uh, what's left is... Memories of this team, and it's funny because I just sort of learned about this team recently, and I always knew they existed. I'm a big baseball guy, but I learned a lot about this team, and it's an awesome team, and it's an awesome logo.
3: So I, just because I'm trying to understand, you said they're parent company of the Expos, but would they have been like the farm team? The
9: Expos the, were the parent, parent team, sorry. yeah. So yes, okay. they were the AAA farm team. And where did the they Expos. play in Winnipeg? They played at Winnipeg Stadium.
0: And how was that? Do you do you know what the configuration might have been? It for was that? it
9: was very weird. Apparently, Um Steve Rogers uh, mentioned that in an article in the Winnipeg Free Press, saying just how insane the dimensions were and sort of the scoreboard and and kind of. In fact, when when I think when the Free Press talked to him years later. He said, is that crazy little stadium still around? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So
1: a lot of people might remember the Winnipeg Stadium. They had the Winnipeg Sun or the Blue and Gold Room in the southwest corner of Winnipeg Stadium, and then they had their offices and and dressing rooms just to the north of that. But I'm old enough that I remember the old baseball stadium. It was tucked away. It was maybe a a grandstand that maybe held about 1,800 to 2,000 seats. And because of the configuration of the property itself— there were restrictions in terms of the right field fence, and the fence was very temporary, made out of plywood and chicken wire. And stories, Mike Swatsky did an incredible job in the Winnipeg Free Press of, of reliving the history of the whips. And And there are rumors that the, the players, depending on the wind and depending on who was pitching and, and batting, and uh, these sort of things before the games would start, they would actually move the fence and, and alter the dimensions unknowingly. So a, a very colorful history uh, the Winnipeg whips have for sure, Chad. Yeah,
9: definitely. definitely. Definitely a band of oddballs and castoffs, really. They they really didn't have much of a chance. Like, they finished dead last both seasons.
1: Well, the Expos were a brand new team in Major League Baseball, right? Yep,
9: for sure. But they did have Steve Rogers in 1971, who would go on to make five all-star teams and be the best pitcher in Montreal Expos history. Started his career in Winnipeg for the Whips. So
0: you can go to Wayback Winnipeg. Uh, is it sorry. dot ca. dot ca or dot com. Okay. Yeah, either one. And you'll get you can see more on the history of the team. Uh, also, they, they the whips were broadcast on CJOB uh, around nineteen seventy, called by Bob Pickin, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. Now, Mike, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is uh, what's really cool. Twenty five dollars for this hat. Two dollars mm-hmm. from each hat is going towards uh, Challenger Baseball Manitoba. What's that?
10: Challenger Baseball Manitoba, it's kind of a, you know, for each product that we're going to put out through Wayback Winnipeg, we want to have a bit going back to the city, right? We want, uh, and something kind of related to the product that we're doing. So we were out looking for some sort of baseball-related charity, and I think everything in Manitoba is covered under Manitoba Baseball. Baseball Manitoba, yeah. Yeah, Baseball Manitoba. So we contacted them, and we're like, do you have any, like, specific... Organizations that we could help out, like, you know, we're not a huge company, but we do want to give back what we can. So uh, they directed us to uh, Challenger Baseball,
9: and it's uh, it's allows kids with cognitive abilities to play the game in a, a safe environment for them. So amazing, yeah, pretty awesome.
0: Well, good for you guys for doing this. So what's the response been so far, Mike? It's awesome. Like we we launched on
10: Wednesday. Uh, and this is kind of a side project for us, right? So we weren't really sure what what the hunger out there would be for something like this. But uh, we launched Wednesday, and it's just dozens, dozens and dozens of people inquiring. Uh, we didn't make a, a huge run of these hats, but we've, you know, sold probably close to half of them already. Wow.
3: So if I was walking down the street wearing this hat, what percentage of Winnipeggers do you think would say, hey, is that a Winnipeg Whips hat? Like, Good question. I'm, I'm curious myself. I'm, I'm being schooled in the game of baseball this morning. I How had, n- often I had no it? idea. Yeah. How
1: often are people saying, well, what is that logo or the converse? Uh, is that a Winnipeg
10: Whips hat? Yeah, I, I haven't yet, but I get a lot of looks. And I don't know if it's just because I'm so good looking, but could be. <laughs> could but it's, be. it could be the, ha- the, the hat. Could be great many things. Yes. You can't see my blue eyes. (laughs) eyes.
3: But it's really going with that hat, right? That brings out the color of your eyes.
0: So do you have any plans for other teams or other Winnipeg nostalgia for new products?
10: You know, like we don't want to be known as just a, a sports thing. The Whips is the launch, right, of way back Winnipeg. So we, and we should mention our third guy, Rob Rogers, who's hopefully recording this, (laughs) <laughs> he uh we kind of sat together once we wanted to do the whip stuff. We sat together and we made a list between the three of us of all these kind of Winnipegisms like uh old businesses that we remembered, old restaurants and uh characters like personalities of Winnipeg and stuff. And we just kept on going and it was stuff that we had we hadn't thought of for for years and we like we don't want these things to die. We want these logos and designs and names and stuff to live on so uh yeah there's we've got a long list of stuff but the next thing that we're working on we haven't finalized yet so we don't want to say exactly what it is but we can hint
9: i think we could probably hint
10: yeah that it's a osborne village institution yes that is no longer there i would say
9: it's a i would say it's a yeah it's very well known household name in winnipeg oh (laughs) boy that's a good tease.
0: Home of party animals. I think perhaps. I got it. No, yeah, um, that's not a good
9: hint.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that's right or not. But I, uh, what is? What's driving you to do this? We, we, you know, I don't think this is happening twenty years ago in Winnipeg. You were young guys. Uh, what do you? What do you think the attraction is for people to to hold on and not only to hold on, uh, but sometimes that can be a hoarding thing, but to celebrate the things from our past. What? why do you? think people are open to that these days, Chad?
9: I think things have changed around here in Winnipeg over the last 15, 20 years, or the last decade. There's just been so much renewal. There's so many new buildings. There's so many new... The arena, the the museum, the Trunor yeah. Square, everything.
10: Yeah, the exchange is just exploding. And...
9: There's a pride here, and I'm not... There's always, always a pride. Mike and I are both born and bred here. There's always a pride growing up being from Winnipeg, but it's different now.
0: It's, Do you feel pride wearing that hat right now, Mike?
10: Absolutely, yeah. And I, like, if I travel or something like that, for sure I'd be wearing that. So if I was a Winnipeg expat somewhere. I'd love them.
3: to wear it to, to, yeah, to sell sure. yourself. Yeah. It's more so it's taking that pride, but celebrating it. Then. Absolutely, yeah.
10: that's it's that's a it. subtle pride too. Like being from Winnipeg, I think, is being part of a club. So once you're once you're out there and you see a, a whips hat or something Winnipeg related, you can kind of give the person a nod yeah from Winnipeg.
1: I remember being in Disneyland about uh, 5 years ago and a guy had a Jets hat on and I had one and he was in a line and I was racing somewhere and he just threw his hand up. I gave him a high five. Nice. Yeah. We didn't even exchange any words. It was just a high five. We were passing yep. by and it was just like, yep, you're cool. I love you yep. and uh, we both love Winnipeg and yep. it was just there's just something special that that unspoken camaraderie yep. that that's developing in our city.
10: It's fantastic. Yep. And part it's, of- uh, I think everything exploded last year with the Jets. Uh, like yeah. doing that run, so I think there was a huge amount of
1: pride. I think it validated a lot for a lot of people yeah. that were already prideful mm-hmm. to live here and to be from here. I think it just it just really was the exclamation mark. That right. That's awesome. All those to messages be proud about from people it, right?
3: were like, "Oh, Winnipeg looks amazing right now," and I was like, "Not right now. I mean, yeah, we look extra good right now, but <laughs> we look good all the time." Yeah. So you know, that, that kind of feeling.
0: WaybackWinnipeg.com or .ca. Either one will get you there. That's the website. You can also follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Mike Aporius, Chad Scarsbrook, thanks so much for coming in. And uh, i got to find out if the hat fits my giant head, so we'll figure we that out. We should do a video on that. I, uh, we'll that. We'll do that right away, and Thank we'll you post all. it to the CJOB Instagram. Love you, Winnipeg. Thanks for coming in, guys.